the first thing to recognize is there is this idea that our past continues to be with us whether we acknowledge it or not. That that idea that I can just leave it behind is really naive because I was shaped and formed. I was influenced by my experiences both in the home and out of the home. Um, how I react, what I believe, um, even my perspective in some way was shaped and formed early on. Welcome to the Faithful and True podcast. My name is Aaron Wellman. I'm the director of social media here at Faithful and True. In for Randy again this week. And joining me is Dr. Greg Miller. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing great. Awesome. Do you want to set up the topic for us today? I do. So if you were with us last time, you heard that we were talking about this idea of a question that we got around this idea of therapy. Do I need therapy? What is a therapist? And along the same lines, um, there are questions that come up about dealing with the past. And this is another one of the podcasts where somebody sent in a question or we got a question and we want to address it. So what have you set it up with what the question was that came across? Absolutely. So in my experience, as I'm learning, I'm sharing with my friends what I'm learning about my own recovery and healing journey and how important it is to like actually think about your past and the things that have happened to you. Um, and, and my, some of my friends noticed I was kind of always doing that. I was, I would experience something in the present, you know, whether it be like an extreme overreaction or something. And I would, I would wonder like, well, where did that come from? You know? Mm -hmm. And they noticed that a lot. And so some of my friends were kind of wondering like, well, why are you always talking about your past and you don't want to be stuck in your past? And, and so I thought that was a really good question. And one of my friends even had someone that they knew who was a part of a support group for um, a certain, an individual with a certain kind of experience with parents. And they basically were seeing this person kind of deteriorate, deteriorate in front of their eyes because they were, they were so stuck in their past and so stuck with what was going on or what had gone on in their life. Um, and, and so they, they were seeing it from a really rightfully so like negative viewpoint. Cause it's like, well, this person definitely doesn't feel like they're growing or getting, getting more wise or anything like that. And so I just thought it'd be an interesting, um, interesting conversation to why do, why should we look at our past? How do we look at our past and how do we make sure we're not getting stuck? And it's actually a benefit to yeah. us. Well, I think all these are great questions. And even in the context of the church, sometimes you can hear this message that let the past be the past, that you should not deal with it or talk about it and just move beyond it. And we also hear, you know, that when we become Christians, we become new creations. It's Mm -hmm. the old is left behind. And one of the things that we recognize is that there is a distinction between engaging and considering the past and getting held hostage or stuck in the past. And you even kind of use that language. I think we all have that fear that if I'm not careful, I'll keep going back to the past and I'll end up getting stuck there. And if someone is stuck in the past, that's a good indication that the support, the help, the direction, um, their response to it, something is missing in that. Because here at Faithful and True, we do talk a lot about the past, but it's never for the purpose of blame. It's simply Mm -hmm. for the purpose of understanding. And so the first thing to recognize is there is this idea that our past continues to be with us whether we acknowledge it or not. That 
that idea that I can just leave it behind is really naive because I was shaped and formed. I was influenced by my experiences both in the home and out of the home. Um, how I react, what I believe, um, even my perspective in some way was shaped and formed early on. And so if I can believe that I can just leave the past behind, um, it's actually not a realization or a recognition that I'm continuing to carry the past with me. So the more I can ask that question, and I love the question that you asked, where did that come from? So if I'm having this strong reaction, if I'm having um, a reaction where I, I have a lot of energy and anger, or another common thing is I get triggered and I pull inside, I get small. Well, there's probably something from the past that we're dealing with. In fact, there's a, a, a phrase, there's an image that we use, is that if I'm having a strong reaction and the way we say it is if you're having a $100 reaction to a $10 issue, more than likely it has something to do with the past. And I divide it up this way. If I'm having a $100 reaction to a $10 issue, $10 of it is about what's cur currently going on. $30 of it is about the recent history around that issue. But $60 yeah. of it is about the distant history of it. And if I really want to understand my current reaction, I got to be willing to look at that $60 in the past. And we see this a lot in marriages where a couple may be struggling. And what's interesting is they are actually stuck in the present because they are held hostage by the past. Right. So this issue yeah. comes up in their marriage. They're having a big argument. They're having an overreaction. And what we will say is the best gift that you can give to your spouse is to offload those $60 that have nothing to do with him or her. Right. So, you know, mm -hmm. and I can say in my own marriage, I can do this where Beth does something It's really in the great scheme of things, not significant. I'm having an overreaction. Well, the best gift I can give Beth is to focus on those $60 that have nothing to do with her because then I can begin to right-size my reaction, my response. Right. And if it's right-sized to the moment, if it's a $10 reaction to a $10 issue, then as a couple, we can navigate that. Right. Yeah, I think it's that's such a powerful truth that I learned at the workshop and from just being here at Faithful and True. But And that's that I've like done that in my own life where my the prime example I think of is when I was in college, we would all be getting ready to go somewhere and my friends would, they would like walk out the door without me and I'd have, I'd be putting my coat on still. And that was like a huge trigger for me. Mm -hmm. I got so hurt by that. And I was like, I knew I was having an overreaction. So I didn't say anything because it'd be awkward to be like, guys, it really hurt me that you left two seconds before me. <laughs> but it, but it was true, you right. know? And so I started thinking about, okay, why? You know, once I had this I, language of like, you know, the $100 reaction, the $10 thing, I started thinking about that. And I literally have a memory from when I was who knows how young, where for some reason, all of my, all my friends in the neighborhood, I was the only one who didn't get invited to a birthday party. And they all, I remember sitting in my, at my parents' bay window and watching the car drive away with all of them in it, but me. And, you know, it's not hard to like, wonder and be like, huh, I wonder if that's, if that's where that started when, I started thinking about it, that memory came to my mind right away. So I think it's helpful to have like examples. I know it's helpful for me. So I'm hoping that that'll just kind of help people understand what we're talking about. With uh, this. And I think that yeah. is a beautiful example of how when I didn't acknowledge the past and the impact the right. past had, the absence of that acknowledgement was actually shaping and forming me more in the present. Mm. That 
I was having that strong reaction, but it wasn't about, like you said, and what, what's great about that example yeah. is you had enough of your wise adult to know this isn't all about what's going on here. Yeah. And you had enough wise adult not to blame your friends, right. but yeah. to ask that question, I wonder what this is about. And again, if I am open to the possibility that one, my reaction is disproportionate. Right. That this is too much. And and I know even prior mm. to recovery, um, I would have those moments of clarity where I'd go, whatever the situation was, my reaction is too much to this moment. Right. At that point, I wasn't able to always make the connection. I wasn't looking in the right places or asking the right questions. Yeah. But in time, I took that awareness that I was having an overreaction and then asked the next question, where is this coming from? And once you start using that as a tool, then it's not like I'm being stuck in the past. I'm actually being propelled forward right. by understanding the past. Yeah. I also mm. want to get back to this idea of there are those that would say, just let the past be the past. And one of the things I love about the scripture, and it is very clear that telling the stories of the past is very important in the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were regularly invited to tell the story, tell the story of their journey, tell the story of their chaos, and tell the story of God's faithfulness. And so if all we're going to do is use the Bible as an example, what we know is we tell the stories of the past. And we see that in the New Testament, too, where as the people were described in the scripture, many times their stories were included because to know someone, I need to know their story. And one of the most um, influential classes I had in seminary was the title of the class was The Theology of Pastoral Care. Mm. And I was immediately drawn into that. And the principle of the class was what is known as narrative theology. And a simplistic understanding of narrative theology is that theology is about story. And it's about our story, and it's about God's story. And where our story and God's story intersects, that's where we are transformed. And it was for the first time in that class where we were asked, and it was kind of an assignment, you had to write out your own story. I had never done that before. And in writing out my story for that class, hmm. unintentionally, it wasn't like my purpose, I started going, oh, it makes perfect sense that I would struggle with this. Yeah. Um, it, it was in the context of that class, um, I was in a relationship with someone who had never done anything not to be trustworthy, you know, had never betrayed my trust. Yeah. And I was growing in my awareness of, I really don't trust that person. And for the first time, I was able to say, hmm, because this person has never given me a reason not mm. to trust, and yeah. I'm not trusting, it must be about me. And then I asked the question, and where did that come from? Right. And yeah. that just kind of opened me up to a brand new lens in which mm. to understand myself and others. And what's true is, if we are not careful, we can get stuck in just recycling the past. You know, one of the ways that you can know that you're stuck in the past, not understanding the past, is you keep telling the same stories over and over and over again, and there's no movement forward. Mm. You know, um, especially in the area of grief, um, there's this part of us that wants to avoid the past, especially where there is loss, yeah. because we know that loss can lead to grief, and we want to avoid our grief. 
Well, the scripture says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And what we want is comfort without mourning. And one of the ways I talk about addiction is addiction is the attempt to be comforted without being willing to mourn. And so if we are going to mourn, we have to deal with the loss. We have to acknowledge what that loss has cost us, whatever that loss may be. And so that's one of the ways that we can know we are grieving well because grief moves us forward. Um, Something else that holds us hostage to the past is when we approach the past with either blame or shame. You know, we often talk here about blame and shame or the alternative to ownership. And ownership is taking responsibility for my life and my choices. And ownership is a huge part of recovery, where I acknowledge the hurt that I've done to other people. I'm going to own the choices that I've made. And I see a progression of ownership, um, where the first part of ownership is acknowledgement. I will acknowledge that I did this. The second step is, and I'm going to create a plan to seek to do it differently. And then the third part of it is, and I implement that plan. For a lot of people, they get stuck and all they do is acknowledge. Right. They don't lead to the creating a plan and implementing the plan. And if you're in relationship with someone that will acknowledge the hurt that they've caused, and yet it doesn't seem like they're really implementing a plan to change, it makes perfect sense that that doesn't really ring true as ownership. Right. So what we're wanting mm-hmm. to move towards is we engage the past so that we can own our choices in the present. But like I said, the alternative is blame. And blame says it's all your fault or it's all the past fault. And we don't take any responsibility. Or shame is all my fault and I'm worthless. And that's a false understanding of the past. And so what is mine is mine. I'm going to own it. And what's not mine, I'm going to release it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so helpful to have like a a correct perspective of yourself because shame you have like you have a poor perspective of yourself because you you see yourself as worse like the shame just you just see yourself as garbage which Mm -hmm. is not true right and so it's so helpful you know to to see to wonder like well or to say like you say it makes perfect sense why i might be really triggered when i feel not included because of what has what has happened mm-hmm. you know it makes so much sense and it kind of it kind of like helps you feel like you are have you have sympathy on yourself more or empathy for yourself N- understanding that you know there's there's good reasons why i have overreactions and i'm not just like this crazy person right. that you might yeah. actually feel like in the moment you well, know and what helps me right size it is right size my reaction is that understanding yeah and you're right i use the phrase all the time it makes perfect sense given your story that you would respond the way you did right and so without that understanding i go into shame of, oh i'm such an idiot for having that reaction right that's not going to be helpful yeah um, or i go to blame oh i've got the worst friends because they leave me exactly and yeah those are not going to serve me and so um the way I talk about shame is shame are, shame are the lies I believe about myself and the lies I believe about God. Mm-hmm. Hidden in shame, and maybe not hidden in shame, are lies that I believe about God. If, if I'm a worthless piece of crap, if that's my shame message, then I'm saying something about God as creator. Um, if I'm saying I'm not includable, 
then I'm saying something about how God has created me. Um, your example of, of having a reaction when your friends left you, my perception would be the core belief is I, I'm not includable. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so mm-hmm. what happens is I have this filter, and my perception is <clears throat> our early experiences create our core beliefs, and that core belief would be I'm not includable. Right. And then what happens is our core beliefs become a filter through which we interpret our experiences. And so, you know, my friends walk out the door early. Um, somebody doesn't reply to a text. Immediately, that filter gets triggered of, see, that proves I'm yep. not includable. Mm-hmm. Where in the reality is, maybe my friends are busy. Maybe um, they're hurrying out to the car or maybe um, their phone's turned off. But I don't have that context. I simply have, see, I'm not includable. Right. And the yeah. key to unlocking all of that is found in that story of all the kids going to the birthday party but me. Right. And it's not an excuse. Yeah. It's an understanding. Yeah. I think it's so... So what we're touching on here, I feel like, is you're, you're getting to the core beliefs, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. But... So we, we're, what we've talked about so far is you have something that happens in the present, and you you wonder, when where where did this come from, right? But once you even maybe know where it came from, what do you do? Like, how do you go back? Another phrase that if you come to the men's workshop or the women's workshop, you're going to hear is you have to feel it to heal it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I'm like, I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't know how to feel. So like, what is like, we should try to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. We don't run out of time here. Because what's true is in the past, there was an emotional track that was present in our lives, whether we acknowledged it or not. Yeah. And Part of addiction is trying to medicate the emotions that we don't want to feel or trying to generate the emotions that we do want to feel. And so in that experience where your friends went to the birthday party, there was this profound grief and sadness that you experienced as a little boy. And yet in that moment, maybe you didn't have the capacity to experience that. Maybe you felt shame about that. Maybe at some point you were even given messages about big boys don't cry and you wanted to be a big boy so you weren't going to ever let them see you cry and so those messages took hold you stuffed those emotions down but they're still present and so part of what we're wanting to do is we engage the past in a way where whatever those unprocessed emotions are that we've been trying to medicate we give ourselves permission to feel and that really is what propels us forward into the present is all of those emotions that we've been stuffing and containing and medicating, we can begin to express, and in that expression comes freedom. Um, We can get stuck in the past through the avoidance of what we don't want to deal with. Um, And what's also true is if we just keep recycling it, like I said earlier, that's another form of getting stuck. And so... Part of the, the revisiting of the past is to understand what wasn't processed, process it, and then move it forward. I often say when we're dealing with the past, we want to move towards it, we want to move through it, and we want to move beyond it. Yeah, that's so good. So I still, I still wonder, so we've talked about how do you, how do you like look at, like invest, how do you investigate your past? And then we talked about the feeling part, but... If you, if you know, like, like I have a core belief that I'm not includable, what do you do with that? So, and that is a complicated question because yeah. there's not a simple answer. Right. 
I, I think even that admission and fact is is like important, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, because the the old messages, one of the things that we talk a lot about here are um is the idea of brain health and brain chemistry and one of the the principles that Mark would teach are neurons that fire together, wire together. And so in that moment, your brain was firing on all kinds of neurons and some associations were made. There were some beliefs that were solidified. There were some emotions that weren't processed. And it's like this knot that needs to be untangled and there's a complexity to the untangling it. So let's say that you know, you now have an understanding, okay, that story in the past where my friends left me, I now can acknowledge that. Yeah. So I can remind myself of the truth. The truth is, mm-hmm. I'm not a little boy. This isn't about a birthday party. These are my friends. They care for me. They're just leaving and are in a hurry. Yeah. What else I can do is I can ask them. And, and this is one of the skills that I learned in my therapy group is that it's okay to ask for clarification. You know, we can use the language here of the story in my head is Mm -hmm. that you want to exclude me. Is that true? You know, one of the skills that I try to use in my relationship with Beth is if I get triggered into my old core beliefs or pain, I will check that out. One of my old core beliefs is I am worthless. You know, and I've done a lot of work. I can kind of begin to understand where that comes from. That can get triggered in my marriage. And yes, cognitively, I know that my wife does not think I'm worthless. And my, I can say, oh, I don't need to hear it. But it's amazing when I check that out with Beth and say, hey, Beth, I just want to check in. Do you think I'm worthless? Mm-hmm. To hear her say, no, Greg, I don't. That mm-hmm. actually uses a different part of my brain and new neurons are getting fired and wired together that I can begin to hold on to. Mm-hmm. What's also true is, as in your story, there is this grief, this huge loss that you experienced when you were included in that party. And as you let yourself feel that grief and offload that grief, as you mourn, then you can be comforted. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. have this way of dismissing it. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a birthday party. Who cares? Right. You know, I don't yeah. even like those guys anymore. <laughs> and so we dismiss it. But by doing that, it's ironic. The dismissing of the past is what actually gets us stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. So letting yourself feel that grief. Um, I think reminding ourselves of the truth. I, I really, I'm glad you brought this example up because there's so much we can unpack around it. Yeah. But one of the things that we can begin to believe is that my includability is dependent upon me being included. Well, if right. I believe that, then I'm constantly looking for people that are including me in yeah. order to rescue me from this old core belief instead of healing the core belief. So I often speak to men, you are includable even if nobody is including you because God created you to be includable. You are choosable even if nobody is choosing you because God created you to be choosable. You are desirable even if nobody desires you because God created you to be desirable. And so by reminding myself of the truth, by combining it with the willingness to grieve, by redoing the the present, all of those things come together that begin to create a new orientation and trajectory around these particular issues. And it is complex, and it's certainly not done in a one-and-done kind of way. Right. That it's, it's playing it over and over again. 
You know, we talked in a previous um, podcast about how long do I go to therapy or how long do I need help? Well, the reality is those old wounds go deep. You know, um, one of the things we teach at the workshop is that our childhood wounds are significant to process because they were significant wounds. When we were children, we were vulnerable, we were undefended. And so when we were hurt, that hurt goes deep. So it makes perfect sense that it's going to take time to unearth all of that pain. Uh, Another image I like is archaeology, that what we are wanting to do is to be an archaeologist to our own life and gently and carefully sift through the layers of the past and come to a new layer and process that and mm-hmm. come to a new layer and process that. Yeah. So there's always something new to be done. And that's the key. Yeah. What I'm processing, what I'm moving towards 16 years into recovery has hints of what I started with 16 years ago, mm-hmm. has roots of what I started with 16 years ago. And there's a new layer to it. There's a new awareness. There's a new awakening that I'm having. Yeah, so good. I had another thought, but not, then it flew away. So we're just <laughs> going to finish up the show because I know I know we're to the end of our time here. So thanks again for listening, everybody. This was another great conversation, Greg. I really appreciate it. It's been it. great. Um, I'm glad that example kind of came to my head. I didn't really plan on saying that, but it's been something I've been processing mm-hmm. myself well, quite a bit. Well, thanks for your vulnerability. Thank you. Yeah. We want to be a message of hope. Yes. Yeah. And there are a lot of people out there that need hope because they may not be getting the message of hope. And so we want people to be able to hear hope and have hope. And maybe at some point, the only thing we can do is hold hope for you. And so so if you're a subscriber and we're able to offer messages of hope, we are so thankful we can do that. That is a great opportunity and gift to us. Absolutely. So until next time, we'll see you next week.